Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. It is Friday, and Fridays around here we call kind of an opposite day on Detroit Today. We invite somebody in to talk with me about the week's news, and we try to choose someone who sees the world a little differently than I do. Usually somebody who sits on the conservative side of the political spectrum and playing that role today is Randy Richardville. He is a former Republican Senate majority leader here in the state of Michigan. Randy, as always, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How are things in Monroe? Really good. I had a great Fourth of July weekend, a week uh, celebrating uh, Independence Day. You know, it's a little bit of a strange holiday in some ways because, you know, (laughs) we shoot off fireworks, but Actually, the Declaration of Independence was signed on July 4th. There wasn't any battle going on. Right. Uh, that was all. That all happened um, during the War of 1812. Right. So well, we and kind of merged a little history together. There. <laughs> That's right. It's all. It's all the same. Uh, I'm glad you're 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 with us today. I I, I want to talk about a number of different things. And listeners, if you want to join in to the conversation. Give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. We are going to talk about North Korea, uh, the missile test that they uh, engaged in earlier this week, and the U.S. response to that. We'll talk a little about the G20 and America's role in the world. Is it changing because Donald Trump is the president? This was his first chance to engage in that dimension as the leader of our country. And we'll talk about uh, Brian Kelly, uh, lieutenant governor, probably has aspirations someday to run for governor. I'm not sure if that's next year, but he's put this idea on the table for a part-time legislature. Uh, He's trying to change it in a way to, to keep it alive. But is this the right way for him to make uh, the splash that he needs to make to put himself into the category of people who might be governor someday? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the, the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Randy, let's start with North Korea and uh, the the missile test that uh, they conducted earlier this week and the U.S. response to it. I know that you worked uh, as the campaign chair for President Trump in the congressional district down there in Monroe. Uh, talk about what you think he is going to be able to achieve here with relations with North Korea, you think he'll do it differently than we have seen before, and do you think he'll be successful? Boy, that's a that's a great question, Stephen. You know, there are a lot of. I think that sometimes we operate from the premise that uh, most people that we negotiate, most countries that we negotiate with, uh, have a reasonable uh, amount of common sense. But when you're talking about North Korea and what's going on in North Korea. Um, you, you know, it's it's almost something from a, a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the leadership there is, uh, you know, they're blatantly anti-American. They they do things that I, I can't even fathom. I don't think the average person in, in America can even believe that they do things. Uh, you, you know, they put videos up and, and do things uh, uh, that are um, horrendous, you know. And, and that's the leadership of their country. So I really don't know if you can... 
honestly negotiate in a reasonable way with a dictator who runs a country the way that uh, North Korea is being run. So um, whether it's uh, President Obama or whether it's President Trump or anybody else that you want to talk about, it's... uh, you know, it's an uphill battle for sure. So, so, and that's true. I mean, if you think about how long we have dealt with North Korea as something of an enemy, how long we have had economic sanctions levied against that country, and and still we see this sort of uh, progressively more aggressive behavior out of whatever regime is in power there. So, so then, what's the question? What's the answer? I mean, well, I think there are, there are basically two different ways. You know, you go back to to Jimmy Carter's way of, um, you know, negotiating peace and, and, and uh, Barack Obama's um, more, uh, you might say, um, relying on um, some kind of agreement that the rest of the world can look at and help to enforce in a diplomatic way. I guess you call that more of a diplomatic kind of way. And then you go back and look at maybe a Ronald Reagan or a, or a Donald Trump that says we can negotiate, but we're not going to negotiate unless we're in a place of power. Uh-huh. And so they build up the military to a point where you have to listen to us. And, you know, as a conservative, that's the way I like to, to deal with the rest of the world, even though that might be unpopular in some circles. Uh, I, I don't want to take a chance with the, the safety of the American people and allow things to happen without us uh, negotiating from a position of strength. Yeah. That might be where, where I disagree with uh, – with with the viewpoint of uh, some people that are more uh, Democrat or liberal. Well, uh, but but what would strength look like here uh, in terms of North Korea? I mean, would you, for instance, engage uh, uh, engage some uh, in some sort of action against uh, the North Korean regime as a way of trying to deter them? What what, what would that look like? Well, you know, that's a very difficult question for me to answer, being, you know, a, a state-level uh, type, uh, you know, a government official. I didn't work overseas. I didn't work with the uh, the CIA or with the military, except, you know, to help with uh, the National Guard here in Michigan. The, um, the, the the type of people, the generals and the other advisors that Donald Trump has are going to give him advice on what he should do. I would say that as commander-in-chief, you need to really pay attention to what those people say because they're the ones that, that, that have the experience. And uh, so for me to say, oh, I think we should go over there and you know, show that we have some strength and drop a bomb or something like that, I mean, I, I don't think I'm in a position to say that kind of thing. But I would rather have North Korea and the rest of the world look at the United States and say, uh, we should really pay attention to them because their military is strong, their technology is uh, uh, unbeatable worldwide, and uh, they're not going to get pushed around. They're going to stand up when their people are, uh, um, you know, being threatened. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Randy Richardville, former Republican State Senate Majority Leader. He's joining me today to wrap up the week's news every Friday. We invite someone in to do that. We try to invite somebody in who sees the world a little differently than I do. Randy is certainly someone who falls into that category. If you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or... Go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work your comments into the conversation. We were talking about North Korea. We're also going to talk about the G20 
meetings uh, this this week. Uh, we're also going to try to get to this whole question of Brian Kelly's future, uh, Lieutenant Governor with big aspirations and a big idea to change the form of government in Lansing. What do you think about what he's doing? What do you think about what he's saying? These ideas he's putting out there, does that catapult him into the contention for uh, the gubernatorial race next year or maybe down the road. Brian Kelly is a young man and has some time, really, to make uh, his decision about what his future might look like. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Randy, let's let's go to that question uh, surrounding Brian Kelly and this part-time legislature idea. I think uh, th- that idea is itself now getting wrapped up in the question of whether he wants to run for governor next year or or not. But on its own, it's a pretty controversial idea, and it's getting a lot of uh, it's getting a lot of pushback. You served in the legislature for quite some time. Talk to me about what you think about part time. Brian and Callie, Brian Kelly and I have done a lot of work together. I have a tremendous amount of respect for his intelligence, mm-hmm. for his commitment to public service. He's a family man. He's a strong value-oriented guy. Uh, he's worked his butt off as lieutenant governor to be not just a lieutenant governor, to be active, carrying out Governor Snyder's uh, um, agenda, working with the legislature. He was chosen because he came from the legislature, and Governor Snyder did not have legislative experience as did not Jennifer Granholm. Both of those people told me that was one of the things that made being governor the diff- most difficult for them is not understanding the legislative process. So Brian Kelly has contributed at a very high level for the last six and a half or so years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's put his passion out there in some of the things that he has uh, supported, too. I know he's worked a lot with special needs children, autism, and things like that. When it comes to a part-time legislature, I think... It's a myopic view that this should be part-time. It's, it's uh, To me, that is uh, talking to the ultra-conservatives, the Tea Party kind of people that say any government is bad government, and any time you can eliminate some government, eliminate some government. <laughs> to me, the people's voice, the people's house, the people's portion of the government is the legislature. Sure. It's not the executive branch. It's not the judicial branch. They do different things, and there's a balance of power. The customer service window for state government is the legislature. I'm the one that used to get phone calls when I was a state representative about what's happening over the administration with the DNR, the DEQ, uh, the Department of Transportation, education, et cetera, et cetera. If you diminish the amount of time spent by a legislator in Lansing, it's not so much the laws that they make, the hundred or so days that they're in session, which is what people like to talk about. Right. It's all the other work, being in touch with the people on the ground, the grassroots people, knocking on their doors, talking to them in between election years, listening to what they have to say. That is the voice of the people. And if you want to cut that in half so you could save virtually a quarter, like 25 cents, per person and tax money. I mean, you're looking at the wrong place to save money. You're looking at where the people's voice can be heard in government. That's what the legislature is about, both the House and the Senate. So to say, let's make them part-time because 30-some other states do that. Well, Michigan is a leader. Michigan is one of the 10 biggest states in the country. It's also one of the most complex when you talk about roads. We invented roads. We were the first um, government in the world to have a road. Woodward um, 
you know, uh, Michigan Highway Smile number one. Smile of paved road in the nation, right? That's right. Actually, in the world. And then we also, you know, we, we the UAW and the, the uh, evolution of labor management relations and the complex automotive industry, which we, I don't believe we'd have won World War II if Michigan didn't have the workers and the, uh, the industry to build the kinds of things that we needed to do to win World War II. Um, so, so we have a very complex system. We have the, the Great Lakes, the biggest freshwater supply in the world. We have over 10,000 lakes and rivers in Michigan. We have a lot of environmental um, management that we have to employ. So you want to cut the legislature uh, in half, you are going to be, like I said, reducing a very small cost to the average taxpayer for a huge decline in the amount of help that they can have yeah. from the government. Uh, uh, one of the things that, that people have, uh, people who like the idea of a part-time legislature I think miss is the role that all the other full-time people in Lansing would play and do play. I mean, you can tell legislators uh, that they're not going to be there all the time, but that doesn't mean that the lobbyists go home, for instance. That doesn't mean uh, that that all the other people who have influence over the process go home, and, and that's giving them, I think, a, a, a sort of outsized uh, role or or influence over over things and diminishing the role of the people that we elect. Stephen, I, I, I totally agree with you. In fact, I believe it's worse than the way you explained it because there are a couple other things that uh, add on top of that. For instance, uh, if you have a part-time legislature or excuse me, a term-limited legislature, the amount of time spent in Lansing by House representatives and uh, senators is reduced so they can't build the kind of knowledge base they've had in right. the past. Their staff ends up going to the administration and the executive branch gets more money and more pay and more power, if you will. The lobbyists get more time and power. And again, the people's voice is what's diminished. It also, though, here's the part that I said I think is even worse than you said. When they leave, there is another group of people that come in, but the history, the um, is is gone. That that is all disappeared, and you don't have a way to. You know, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. No. No. I think that makes that makes a, a the lot institutional of sense. memory disappears and dissipates. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's right. I mean, it, it it really is a diminution of the idea of the legislator and the role that the legislator plays. Uh, in in state government, and as much as I might be among the people who get frustrated uh, about things we can or can't accomplish uh, in Lansing through the legislature, I, I also am always uh, careful not to not to diminish that role, not to say that we should uh, downplay that role. It is very important, and we need great people to do it. Uh, okay, yeah, again, legislators yeah, don't have much in, in terms of their benefits. They don't have much in terms of their pay. They've taken pay cuts, get paid less now than they did 20 years ago. Yeah. We continually beat up on legislators, people who their communities have sent to represent them that are usually pretty high quality people that are representing a group, you know, their, their neighborhoods and their, their districts, cities, municipalities, et cetera, et cetera. And we keep beating up on them saying, oh, let's just make them smaller and less powerful and a quieter voice. Eventually it's going to be a, a more of a dictatorship than a democracy. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313 313- 
Uh, let's go to Anthony in Ohio. Anthony, welcome to Detroit today. Hello, thank you for taking my call. Sure, I just got three comments. Uh-huh. Um, it's always the politicians who never served in the military and whose kids have never served in the military that want to negotiate from a position of strength. It wasn't a position of strength that made the Soviet Union collapse. It was the failure of communism to feed their people. And why is it that the legislator, they want to take everybody's pensions except for theirs. And 401ks are so good, why don't you get rid of your pension and, and, and put yourself on a 401k plan? <laughs> well, that already happened two decades ago. So if you want to get up to speed on things, I can help you with that. But there is no pension in the Michigan legislature, period. It was eliminated, like I said, before the uh, – some sometime I'm going to get yeah. – I don't know, 10 years ago or yeah, so? Yeah, there are not pensions. There are not pensions anymore. But but I think Anthony's point generally is this idea that the people making the decisions um, uh, about the things that, that, that go on in our lives in government often are not subject to the the consequences of those decisions. Uh, well, he, he starts, maybe Anthony was driving to a zone where the, the, the signal went out. But what I said was that Donald Trump should surround himself with the highest level people in the military and listen to what the military leaders have to say right. as far as what action they should they should make. I didn't say that some politician that's never served in the military uh, should uh, negotiate from a position of strength. Uh, so, you know, I, There's I, a distinction I don't know that there. he yeah. got all of that or yeah. not. Uh, what, what do you think uh, about this idea, though, of... Donald Trump, uh, Barack Obama, uh, before him, George W. Bush, uh, this idea that we have people in charge who don't really who don't really live that life where uh, the, 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 the consequences of their actions sort of play out the way they do for the rest of us. I mean, that's something we, we worry about, I think, a little bit in this country. At least I worry. Well, about. I think, you know, what you're doing is in a different level is arguing <laughs> against the idea of a part-time legislature, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe in Washington. You know, term limits aren't a bad thing. I, I don't say they're a bad thing. I just think they're too restrictive in Michigan, six years in the House, eight years in the Senate. Um, you just, you know, the Speaker of the House, the last, I don't know, five or so Speakers of the House had anywhere from two to four years' experience. Yeah, they've been really green. In the legislature. And these are great people. These are people that are tremendous. I mean, that they're the leaders of the legislature elected them to be leaders of the leaders. And, and uh, so it's not a, a shot at them. It's just that, you know, it's like going into battle without ammunition. Uh, you, you need some more experience to really do a job uh, more effectively. And, you know, I was the floor leader in the Michigan House, after four years' experience, right. so I'm not speaking, you know, uh, uh, as an observer. I could have done that job better if I had another term to do it, and it's better again if I had another term. It's a complex job with a lot of moving parts. So uh, I'm only saying that term limits are okay, but these are too restrictive in Michigan. They're the most restrictive in the United States. Yeah, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number to join the conversation. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. I am talking with Randy Richardville. Uh, former Republican State Senate Majority Leader. Uh, on Fridays, we wrap up the news around here and we try to invite somebody in who might see things a little differently than I do. Randy is playing that role this week. We've talked about North Korea. We have talked about uh, the idea of a part-time legislature. If you want to join the conversation, again, 
1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Randy, I want to ask you more specifically about Brian Kelly and his potential aspirations here, uh, sure. whether whether those be in 2018 or, you know, I keep saying this is a pretty young guy, even though he's uh, the second you know, already served as the second highest elected official in the state for eight years. Um, uh, you know, wh- what about his aspirations to do to do more? You seem like you've been impressed with the things that he's done as lieutenant governor for eight years. Yeah, you know, Brian approached me. I, I don't. I'm not sure of his age. I think he was about 34 or so. Had already served in the House of Representatives, run for a leadership position, and lost and then was deciding what he was going to do next and decided to run for the Michigan Senate, the state Senate. Uh-huh. And he came to me very early in my campaign to be the leader of the Senate and said, um, you've won leadership elections before, you've experienced or, or, or exhibited leadership in the past. I would like to be among those that are on your team and support you as the next leader of the Michigan Senate. And, and he was running in a safe Republican seat. So I counted him along, uh, you know, among my first supporters to be a leader. <laughs> and then, uh, like a week or two later, uh, Rick Snyder called him and asked him to, to be his running mate for lieutenant governor. Um, but, but Brian and I got to know each other that early in his, uh, in his career. And yes, he does impress me a lot. He, I think he was the, the youngest lieutenant governor in the country, you know, in his early to mid-30s, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, he wasn't just sitting on the sidelines. He's a businessman with experience uh, in, in business and sat down at the table, renegotiated all of the tax structure with the, in, in what I think may have been the single most important and, and yet not acknowledged contributions that the Snyder administration brought is bringing the entire budget process into, into some semblance of reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about balance sheets. We talked about, um, you know, the, the cash flow, the, the way that taxes came in, who was being taxed and how. And Brian Kelly, who had his sleeves rolled up, was in the room with the Speaker of the House, the Governor, and me in every one of those meetings. And uh, I was very impressed with not just his knowledge, uh, but his intelligence, his, uh, his, his um, ability to catch an idea and to run with it quickly. He's a quiet man. He doesn't say, you know, put the spotlight at me mm-hmm. on me or anything like that. But uh, uh, he's, he's a passionate guy, and he just quietly gets things done. So I'm, a, I'm a very impressed with Brian Kelly as a person and as a public servant. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick call here. Uh, John in Dearborn. John, welcome to Detroit yes, Today. Um, Stephen, I'm concerned about the way that the United States responds to the tests that the North Korean government conducts. Instead of trying to reduce the feelings that North Korea apparently has, that we are threatening them and that we are um, ready to invade them. Instead of trying to reduce that kind of uh, impression, we thump our chests and we conduct tests and we increase the the likelihood that they are going to feel threatened by us. Uh, it seems like we are doing the opposite of the way that we should respond to the tests that they are conducting. Yeah. That, uh, so, so what would that look like from your 
from your chair, John? What what, what would you what would you I have would us say do? we we should do everything possible not to not to make uh, make them feel that we are an invasive so, force there and that we are so would you uh, would you for instance withdraw troops from south korea i mean we have a lot me? of would you withdraw troops from south korea for instance i mean that's that's one of the things that i think if you were the north korean regime that's, that you point to that's certainly a possibility but we i certainly wouldn't conduct uh, test to show that how strong and powerful we are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John, great, uh, great comments. Uh, I appreciate the call, Randy Richardville. Respond to what John's saying. He's sort of coming at it from the opposite view that you are, which is that we ought to show strength. What if we showed North Korea that we're not going to be a threat to them? What would that? What would that get us? Well, I think John's well intentioned. I, I just think that it's a bit naive to think that you're going to have a reasonable discussion. Uh, with North Korea or with other people in the world. I think John McCain said it best when he talked about people that don't like us, people that don't want us to succeed. These are people that fund terrorism. These are people that aren't afraid to blow themselves up so that they can kill you. These are people that adamantly hate the United States and the Western way of life. They hate Judeo-Christian values. Um, So to say, yeah, you know what, we should sit down and talk and let's take all our troops away from South Korea. Uh, You know, that's not a big thing. We just had that Korean conflict 50, 60 years ago or so. We can just walk away from that now. And we can sit down at a table and we'll all be happy together. I just think it's, it's naive to think that those kinds of people with an entirely different mindset than what Americans have uh, will sit down and negotiate in a reasonable, trustworthy kind of way. I think the whole time they're standing at you smiling, shaking your hand, they'll be testing bigger and uh, more powerful uh, type of, of weaponry and be looking for a way to blow up some other um, uh, American icon. So I think it's a naive thing to believe that you can actually sit down and talk with this, uh, these kinds of people. Yeah, I mean, I think there's folks around the world who fear that about our new leader as well. Uh, that <laughs> yeah, he's I, I not a reasonable actor. Uh, but, but I guess we got to hope that that's not going to be the case, obviously, uh, with North Korea. Well, you know, they, there's a the discussion in leadership that says, is it better to have the people love you or to fear you? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think the answer is usually... Um, there's a combination it's a little of both, of both right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Randy Richardville, uh, former Republican State Senate Majority Leader, thanks as always for joining us on Detroit Today. Hey, Stephen, it's always good to be here. Yeah. Thank you, and I uh, hope you have a great weekend. We'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Up next, we're going to get a taste of the types of stories that are being shared with StoryCorps while the booth is here in Detroit this month. Stay with us on Detroit Today.